0: Welcome back to the Reach Peak Podcast Experience. I'm your host, Alexa, the sports dietitian and nutrition coach. And today I'm going to be reviewing some diets for you. Okay, I'm going to be looking at some common diet trends as we get into 2021 and letting you know if it's okay or not okay. Well, without further ado, let's get into the podcast. There are so many diets out there, okay? Some are good, some are bad. And so it's no surprise that we may find ourselves, and many people do, falling for the hamster wheel of dieting, okay? It's what I call it basically, falling and being running on that hamster wheel of dieting, jumping from diet to diet, many of which are incompatible at best and harmful fads at worst. And that is why I wanted to help you decipher some of these common ones out there. So what I did was very simple I went on Google, I put myself in your shoes and did a bit of a search to see what you would look for if you're looking for a diet to, to use in 2021. And I came up with a list, okay, an article that I want to review uh, about the next diet trends, okay, what they deem going to be the next diet trends as we get into 2021. And what I'm going to do is literally review them quickly to to let you know whether it gets the Alexa thumb of approval or the Commodos thumbs down of disapproval, which in case you didn't know is a Gladiator reference. Go watch that movie. It's great. And you'll notice that these aren't your typical diets. Okay, these aren't the typical ones you may have heard about because I've already dressed those on a regular basis anyway and I'll probably do another one of these in the future where I talk about the most common dietary trends out there, the ones that you typically hear about. But these are the ones that I want you to be wary of because sometimes the, the lack of knowing about a diet can make us fall for it even easier because we're not really sure and it seems flashy and new and, and you know, improving the previous kind of diet you may be going on and there are times you have to be careful these are the ones you want to be mindful as they grow in popularity potentially to your detriment okay so let's get into it so the first diet we're going to review is the keto quote-unquote light diet which is deemed the ketogenic diet for 2021 in essence what it is is basically a slight variation on the keto diet where there's more of a focus on a higher protein which is good okay i'm actually a I'm not uh, I'm a fan of that, basically, having a bit of a higher protein focus than the traditional keto and still keeping carbs to a very low level while going for more moderate to high quality sources high quality sources of fats, such as you know, almonds, avocados, extra virgin olive oil, that sort of stuff. So at face value, it just typically looks like a keto diet. But I guess what the distinction is, is that they've allocated more of the percentage because usually keto diets work on percentages. Not that that's a, a very robust science, but it just goes that way. And traditionally, it's very, very high fat, like 70, 80% or more. This one here is actually saying you can have a bit more protein. So what's my verdict for the keto light? In my opinion, to be honest, considering keto already is very low, inadequate carbs, and I'm not a fan of it anyway. I do like this version more just because it does give you a bit more protein. So it's a bit more balanced. It's a bit more kind of robust in that sense when it comes to being macro-friendly. But it's still a keto diet, which for most individuals doesn't actually suit them. They just feel they need to do it. For most individuals that I work with, who are athletes or athletic individuals or weekend warriors, it doesn't provide the sustenance and the fuel they need to actually perform at their peak level. So overall, still not a fan of it. It's still just a keto diet, a slight variation and a classic example of how marketing will get people. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if the person that came up with a keto light when keto is popular but it's getting less popular how can i make it more popular again so that people can fall for the diet i'm trying to push let's make it keto but we'll call it light and add more protein because people like protein it's still pretty much the same kind of pitfalls of the traditional keto diet i.e lack of carbs or lack of you know performance edge but people are going to fall for us and that's something you have to be careful with sometimes these diets are just worded differently to make it more appealing Hence, this is a classic example of that. So does it get my thumb of approval or disapproval? To be honest, it gets disapproval because I'm not a big fan of keto and the way this is marketed as just a variation of keto that may be quote unquote better when in actual fact, it's still got the same pros and the same cons that the traditional keto goes for. Keep in mind though, that if you're someone that just absolutely loves keto, there are ways that you can do it in a more balanced way. So that's okay. This is just me giving my opinion of what the individuals that I work with and how keto does have some specific pitfalls you've got to be wary of. Okay, so the second diet that we're going to go into on this list is the immune system support diet, which they've said here, quote-unquote, eating to combat COVID. Now, these were plentiful, especially when COVID first hit the world. There were so many things out there, supplements and diets and this bullshit and that bullshit saying eat this and you'll combat COVID, eat this and it prevents you getting COVID. And honestly, it is so predatory that it actually annoyed me so much when this was first happening. And clearly it's still happening to now, just not as, I guess, often as maybe it was initially. But any diet that says eat this way to strengthen your immune system specifically for the prevention of COVID, just turn around and run away. Okay, just disregard that diet altogether. Because yes, there is very robust science that having a good immune system can prevent you from getting you know, diseases and, and viruses, this kind of stuff. But it's not like a dose-dependent thing where you do this and then you avoid it. And especially not for COVID. COVID is such a new thing. There is no diet out there. There's no food out there. There's no supplement out there. There's nothing there other than the, 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 the recommendations that you're supposed to be following based on the, on the World Health Organization about the prevention of COVID that you need to be worrying about okay nothing about you know it says here you know eating vitamin c eating vitamin e which are antioxidants you know eating other things like elderberries green tea vitamin d and eggs and garlic and stuff like that none of these are going to prevent you getting covid then you shouldn't be thinking in that way do the, the procedures you need to prevent covid as best as you can don't worry about a diet that does this just focus on eating a diet over time that helps build up a good immune system because that's how it works. You can't boost your immune system just, oh, I'll eat this, click, my immune system's boost. No, you can't boost like that. It takes time, takes consistent nutrition, effort, and the right kind of plan to go ahead with this. So eat your antioxidants. Don't get me wrong. Eat those bright colored fruits and vegetables. Eat a variety of different foods. Get your vitamin D. Eat things like garlic. Garlic does have some good properties in them. But they're not this miracle cure for COVID or to prevent you getting COVID. So don't fall for that trap. So what does this get? This gets a big old commodos, disapproval, thumbs down. Okay, kill this diet. The third one is a plant-based flexitarian diet. Essentially, what this is saying it's basically vegan, but not strictly vegan. Okay, so it's basically kind of like you're vegan 90% of the time or more. But you know, if sometimes you feel like having a bit of meat or something like that or having a bit of animal-based products, or perhaps you're somewhere and they don't have options, you're flexible, okay? It's kind of like, yeah, like a flexitarian diet. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, my friends are serving up some, some, let's say, I don't know, chicken nachos or whatever. Yeah, I'll have some chicken nachos because I'm following a plant-based flexitarian diet, and most of my food is still coming from plant-based foods. And it kind of pushes the whole whole food intake, plant-based intake, which is good, great. Okay, that's really, really good because we should be eating more plants. So what's my opinion on this diet? Well, considering it's just vegan, just not as strict, and vegan can be a decent diet, especially if you do it correctly, which is the key word there, correctly, in a balanced way. You have to make sure you're doing that because it's very easy to go unbalanced when it comes to veganism. Then, yeah, there's nothing, no problem with this diet. In fact, because it has that flexitarian edge, I'm actually, not, I'm actually kind of a fan of it if you're going for that size sort of diet, the more plant-based diet. So does it get a thumb of approval? Yes, it doesn't seem to be anything that's a problem with this diet. It pushes good good quality foods. It lets you have a bit more different variety to get in some more nutrients. But still, like anyone who does a vegan diet, make sure you're at least seeking out some advice to get a balanced approach in place. Okay, so what does it get? Gets a thumb, but make sure you're doing it in a balanced way. The fourth one is the paleo-inspired whole foods diet. Now, anything that's paleo, I just want to skip over it, but I want to do you justice. I've said I'm going to review these, so I'm going to review them. Basically, to me, the whole notion that we have to focus on eating like the cavemen did is so idiotic that I don't even want to go into it even further than that, but you know, I'll elaborate a bit. Basically, we're going, okay, let's go back to a time where we didn't live beyond 30 years, I believe. I'd, I'd have to look at the actual science of, it. okay, don't get me wrong. Um, uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. You know, don't quote me on that one. But basically, our lifespan was very, very small compared to what it is now. Let's go back to eating how they did when back before they have all the, all the tools for uh, you know to actually eat a more vari- variable diet. They had all the, the knowledge base that we have now. Let's just go eating how they did because apparently that's a really good way to eat because some... Some Yahoo out there said, Oh, let's let's go paleo inspired because oh cavemen look like strong and fit and all this kind of stuff, not considering that there's so many issues that the cavemen went ex- you know experience, basically. Okay, we have industrialized farming that's come and helped us achieve a better food supply. You just have to have it in a balanced way. Stop following this whole paleo whole foods kind of approach. Oh, this is not, you know, this is not what a caveman would eat. Well whole bunch of the crap that the paleo kind of um i guess diet industry is pushing is not something that the caveman would have okay oh this is a paleo version of this sauce or burger or whatever it is because it has these specific ingredients no just cut the crap indians paleo based just run from it because it's generally just based on pseudoscience that just has no logic to it okay even if the diet hypothetically could be helpful i'd rather you go and do a keto diet to be honest before i get you to do a paleo diet so yeah Paleo-inspired whole foods diet, No, nah, just focus on whole foods, forget the whole paleo part, there's no reason to be eating like cavemen, okay, we've evolved beyond that as the whole purpose of evolution. So don't worry about that, just keep going forward with eating a whole foods diet, don't worry about the whole paleo spin. What does it get? Well, Commodus and me agree that this gets a big thumbs down, okay. The next one is, ooh, one of my, one of my favorites, intermittent fasting, okay. If you followed my content any period of time, you would know that I'm actually quite a bit of fan of intermittent fasting in the right circumstance, okay? That's the key thing here. It's contextual. Intermittent fasting has a lot of evidence for it to support, you know, management of calories, to support just generally feeling good. And it kind of goes, if you do it the correct way, of course, and I will specify in a sec what I mean there, it follows our eating patterns quite nicely. So am I a fan of intermittent fasting? Yes, I am, but it's not like a miracle cure, like a weight loss solution or whatever. You can just the same, eat too many calories in a, in a fasting window, you know, a eating window, even if it's smaller, doesn't really matter. I've seen it happen, I can easily do it. The most kind of popular way and the one that I prefer most, especially when people first get started is a simple 16-8 method, basically where you fast 16 hours and you eat eight hours. So to give you an example, you eat between noon and 8 p.m. and you fast the rest of the time. Okay, it's pretty good, pretty easy, and it kind of follows eating patterns pretty nicely. I'm not, you know, I'm not against this diet. I quite like it. I've done it in the past for my, for myself. Usually, I do it more strictly when it comes to uh, lower calories. So I'm on a more of a longer cut, I need to get to lower calories. It helps with satiety. At the moment, even now, I don't eat straight away. I still give it a few, you know, a few hours before I eat, just because that's the way I operate. But that's the key thing here. It's contextual you got to find, does this suit me? Or do you actually operate eating you know, outside of the intermittent fasting realm? You don't have to follow intermittent fasting just because it does actually seem like a decent diet and which it can be for certain individuals. And you've got to be careful also with intermittent fasting It's you're not doing any crazy ones like multiple day fast and all that kind of crap. Even the 5-2 diet, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not going to hate on it because I can see the premise behind it. And some people have actually had some good results of it. But even the 5-2, I'm not a fan of because in those two days, you're like, this sucks. 500 calories, it sucks. That's like one meal, okay? That's like one meal, one solid meal or like a small meal and a couple snacks. But overall, you want to know, does intermittent fasting get my thumb of approval or does it get the thumb of disapproval? To be honest, if you do it right and you can actually sustain it, intermittent fasting gets my thumb of approval. But keep in mind, it may not be the best one for athletes because athletes have different dietary demands and different considerations need to take place. But if you're just someone that's just like a casual lifter, want to look better, feel better, maybe just a weekend warrior, yeah, you could do this. But if you're more of like a performance edge athlete, then maybe intermittent fasting could be something that you give a miss just for the time being and seek out the advice of like a sports dietitian such as myself who can help you out. The next one is the dash diet. So dash diet is it's nothing new, it's nothing fancy. It's a good old classic healthy lifestyle management diet that to be honest is quite robust and there's I have no issues with it. It's basically if you're someone who's at risk of like hypertension aka high blood pressure, you follow a dietary protocol where you eat mostly whole foods, you know, vegetables, fruits, fish, whole grains, poultry, nuts, good quality meats, all that sort of stuff. But you limit your sodium to about, you know, 2,300 milligrams or even more strictly 1,500. It's more of like a like a lifestyle disease management kind of diet for those that are at risk or just want to make sure that they're not kind of increasing their likelihood of heart disease in the future. It's robust. It's balanced. There's no issues with it. Don't even need to talk too much about it. The DASH diet gets my thumb of approval uh, if you wish to eat that way. Okay, it's, it's, like the, it's like a very typical classic healthy diet. Okay, nothing fancy, nothing bad about it either. The next one is the Mediterranean diet. Similar to the DASH diet in the sense that it's a classic example of a really healthy balanced diet that goes on the principles of the, the region of the Mediterranean where there's lower incidence of Lifestyle disease, you know, heart disease, diabetes, strokes, all that sort of stuff that we may see more of in the Western world, for example, here in Australia. So basically, it goes okay, eat more fruits and vegetables and legumes and nuts and grains and seeds and seafood and extra virgin olive oil, all these healthy foods, and limit your processed foods and your trans fats and all that sort of stuff. Limit your junk food and all that sort of stuff. Do I like it? Yes. Is there evidence for it? Yes. Is it, is it something that I give a form of approval? 100% yes if you like to eat that way. But like I said, it's very traditional, typical diet. It's kind of like what, what we preach anyway. Eat your whole foods, eat a variety of foods as you enjoy. But then obviously, I go the step further with the flexible dieting approach, what I'll talk about later on, okay? But yeah, the Mediterranean diet, it's a solid dietary approach. And I'm sure that anyone would agree, it gets a thumb of approval. Then we got the next one, which is the called the mind diet, Okay which is basically, Dave said it here, and to be honest, I agree like what it says here. It's basically, imagine you got the Mediterranean diet and the DASH diet, they fell in love, and they made a baby, okay? That's basically what you what you get when you get the mind diet. It's like focusing on brain health, so reducing the development of you know, conditions such as Alzheimer's and dementia and keeping up with good brain health. So essentially, it's the whole Mediterranean diet with a lower sodium kind of intake. So you're eating all those kind of really healthy foods, but you're making sure that you're not eating high sodium, because on the Mediterranean diet, I can assure you there are foods typically that they would eat that are very high in sodium. So it's kind of Mediterranean diet with more restriction around sodium and then the addition of certain foods that are good for brain health, you know, like omega-3s and that sort of stuff, like a focus on those you know, antioxidants and that sort of stuff. So does the MIND diet get my tick of approval? Well, yeah, if you're someone that wants to reduce risk of those things, although they, keep in mind, the, there's only early studies at this point, there is a lot more research to be done to actually confirm or deny or whatever the actual results of of this diet on paper considering the i guess the the positives of the Mediterranean diet and the positives of the DASH diet there's nothing here that kind of stands out as a problem it's just going to ask yourself whether whether there's actually any evidence to support it just yet but there's nothing there that's really bad okay it's just a solid typical balanced healthy eating plan then we've got the low FODMAP diet. So interesting they've got one here. I wonder if it's based on research data, searching data, so seeing how many times it's been searched or not. But the low FODMAP diet is one that it's basically strictly for people that have IBS. Okay, that's what it is. It's, it's the most researched and robustly kind of confirmed dieting approach to help manage IBS. That's essentially what it is. The low FODMAP diet just stands for FODMAP, which is fermentable oligosaccharides, disaccharides, monosaccharides, and polyols. A long-ass name to say that it's a type of carbohydrate groups that causes issues in certain individuals, causes irritable bowel syndrome (IBS), and the low FODMAP diet is a temporary elimination diet to help eliminate those and manage the symptoms of IBS. Okay, typically you go for elimination and then a rechallenge and then a modified low FODMAP diet afterwards. Do I get it, do I give it a thumb of approval? One hundred percent, yes. If you've got IBS. Okay, if you've got IBS or some of those kind of gut issues, it's good you know give it a go, but do it under the guise of a dietitian. Okay, make sure you seek out a dietitian to take you through the diet, do it properly, and manage it well. But if you're someone that has no gut issues and someone goes, "Hey, the low FODMAP diet is this next magic thing," no, that's when it gets my thumb of disapproval. It's specifically if you suspect you may have IBS, seek out a dietitian to myself and let us walk you through the IBS diet to see if it actually helps you, and then you'll know exactly if it's a okay. Or not okay, but yeah, low FODMAP diet, very robust, very researched, evidence-based, and no problems with it in the right context, aka the IBS situation. And then finally, we got the final one here. <laughs> okay, number ten. They say the volumetric, the volumetrics diet. Now, this is one of the ones I really wanted to talk about today because it's getting getting more, more and more attention lately, especially in the past year or so. And essentially, the whole premise is eat more while consuming less calories. Okay, the whole you know, just eat as few calories as possible, but while making yourself feel full. So in essence, you can go, oh, that's like volume eating, isn't it? Well, yes, but not exactly. Let me get into it, okay? It's actually not not quite what it seems. Based on this, and based on what I've heard from people that have kind of considered it, essentially, it's you just need to feel like you're eating a lot, eating often, so you can feel full, but the calories has to be as low as possible. You're, you're talking like low calories, you know, don't, don't care about... You know, are your nutritional needs met necessarily? You don't care about your performance edge, all that sort of stuff. You're just trying to eat low calorie but keep yourself full. So basically, it's a classic example of one of those diets that are proposed as a, as a fast, rapid weight loss solution. Okay, you fill up on things like veggies and salads and water. You avoid all fatty kind of foods. You forget, you know, forget meats and forget you know, um, treat foods. Forget using oils. Forget all that kind of stuff. Anything that's small and caloric is out of the question. Okay, no nuts, nothing like that. It's mostly just like broths and soups and veggies and maybe maybe like low calorie meats, maybe like really lean chicken breast and stuff like that. And the whole purpose is just eat less calories, but make it feel like you eat more so you can feel full and stay in a calorie deficit and lose weight over time. That's the thing. pretty much what it is. Now, where it differs to volume eating is volume eating is still about meeting your nutritional needs. It's still about hitting... An adequate calorie intake, but making sure that if that calorie intake is hard for you to sustain in the temporary term, you are making yourself feel fuller by optimizing the proportions of your meals and, and focusing on the art of volume eating. It's not a as low as calorie as possible just for the sake of weight loss. It's oh you have to eat two thousand calories, which is not not low low cal. But ooh, but you're still feeling a bit hungry and it's still sometimes a struggle because 2,000 is very easy to eat, especially because you enjoy X, Y, and Z foods. Well, what you can do is adjust this, this, and this. Now you still feel like you're enjoying a variable diet. You're hitting your nutritional needs of 2,000, but you're feeling fuller on it. That's a, that's a difference than the volumetrics diet. So I'm all for volume eating, which is more of like an extra strategy on top of a typical diet anyway. It's not a dietary intake in my opinion. But the volumetrics diet, from all the stuff I can see here, it's just an excuse to go low, low calories for the sake of it. And it's just metabolic adaptation and physiological damage waiting to happen. It's potentially eating disorders waiting to happen. It's potentially just hating your freaking diet and wanting to punch whoever actually recommended it to you, diet. And does it get my form of approval or my form of disapproval? Both me and commoners would agree. This is a big disapproval. Okay, don't worry about the volumetrics diet. Look into volume eating instead. So, just to do a quick recap before I get into my flexible dieting approach, we got Keto Light, which is a slightly better variation, I guess, to normal keto, but still keto, not a big fan, so thumbs down. Immune system diet, thumbs down. <laughs> uh, Plant based flexitarian diet, it's pretty solid if, you're, if you kind of like to eat that way, so there's no, no problems there, thumbs up. Paleo inspired, thumbs down. Okay, anything paleo is thumbs down for me. Intermittent fasting, contextually, thumbs up. DASH diet and Mediterranean diet and the MIND diet, all kind of very, very similar in terms of my thumbs up approval rating. <laughs> and then we got low FODMAP, which is contextually a thumbs up. And then finally, the volumetrics diet, which is a thumbs down. Okay, so that's the 10. Okay, that's the 10 from the list that, I would have, that you would have seen if you typed up diets for 2021. I'm putting myself in your shoes, seeing exactly how you would search to find out what you should be following. And then I reviewed those diets to tell you whether you should even consider them. Or just look away straight away. Okay, I hope that clarifies that a bit more. But how does flexible nutrition now fit into this? Okay, Well, it can fit to all of them. So that's the thing. Flexible nutrition is not a dietary way of eating. It's a framework. Okay, And the flexible macro system that I've got is a specific framework to make it a much more individualized, balanced approach to your nutrition when it comes to flexible dieting. And it can really fit any of these diets. You can do some of these shit diets that I've told you about and still get flexible nutrition in. It's a framework that can help. So you, you want to do vegan? You can do vegan and flexible nutrition. Okay? You can do flexible nutrition and then follow the art of volume eating. You're doing low FODMAP? Well, you can still do flexible nutrition are you're doing low FODMAP. Same for Mediterranean, same for Aldi's. It's a framework. It's a structured way of eating. It's a dietary lifestyle, a style of eating, not necessarily a rigid diet. And that's why it can work well because you can really adjust to the individual at hand to their preferences and what they need, especially if they're playing a sport and they have specific requirements for performance, recovery, fueling, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, but I can talk all day about this and I'm sure you've heard enough about the diets today and you wanna have a think about all this. So what I want you to do is if you have any questions about the diets I've talked about, if you have any questions about diets I didn't cover, just email me or go to Instagram and just DM me, okay, the climate dietitian, and let's have a chat. And of course, after today, if you're like, oh yes, I really need help with my diet. I need a sports dietitian to take hand, you know, take control of my nutrition programming. Let me compete and let them worry about what I need to eat. We're well, gonna reach out, okay? Send me an email or DM and just say, "Hey, how can you help me?" Say, "Hey, how can you help me, Alexa?" I'll get chatting, ask you specific questions, see if I can actually help you, and we'll go from there. Okay. I hope this has been a helpful podcast episode. I think it's really been an important one to start 2021 on, even though we're already in February. You know what I mean? So yeah, hope it's been helpful. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you so much, guys, for checking out my podcast. Hope it brought you some great value today. You can check me out on socials under The Climate Dietitian or on www.theclimadietitian.com.au. I've got some great stuff out there for you guys, some free, valuable content. So yeah, please check it out, guys. And yeah, until next time, thank you.